Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. All right, good morning. How are you guys doing? 79 degrees here this morning in Puerto Vallarta and we dodged a bullet, so to speak. A hurricane just went right by us and on its way up to the Baja, we got a pray for them. It's supposed to hit them tomorrow. It was a category two, maybe growing to a three. Yeah, once you've been through a hurricane, you're very sensitive to those that are in its path. So let's be lifting them up in prayer. So we are moving on Jeremiah and we do have to cover our dad joke for this morning before we get into it. This is one that was rather obvious, but uh, how did the snow globe feel after the storm? Well, a little shaken. The obvious ones are sometimes the best ones. So we are looking at Jeremiah at the time of Judah and the rebellion, very close to going into captivity by Babylon. Jeremiah's trying. It's like so many of us, when we know somebody is, they're going to ruin their life, they're, they're partying, they're heading off into drugs, they're getting involved with gangs or whatever in a really bad relationship and you tell them over and over and over again please don't go this direction it's going to ruin you it's it's going to ruin you you need to either get back or give your life over the lord and let him take your burden and this is what jeremiah is doing with them nationally knowing that these people are going to be ruined by the direction that they're going but they don't want to listen so father we we do ask that you would give us the insight as we look into these things this morning Help us to understand them and also to apply the lessons we learn from them. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah 6, 1. Destruction of Jerusalem. Impending. That's the title. Verse 1. Flee for safety, O sons of Benjamin, from the midst of Jerusalem. Now blow a trumpet in Tekoa and raise a signal over Beth Hasedim. For evil looks down from the north and a great destruction the comely and the dainty one, the daughter of Zion, I will cut off. Shepherds and their flocks will come to her. They will pitch their tents around her. They will pasture each in his place. Prepare war against her. Arise and let us attack at noon. Woe to us, for the day declines. For the shadows of the evening lengthen. Arise, let us attack by night and destroy her palaces For thus says the Lord of hosts, Cut down her trees and cast up a siege against Jerusalem. This is the city to be punished, in whose midst there is only oppression. As a well keeps its waters fresh, so she keeps fresh her wickedness. Violence and destruction are heard in her. Sickness and wounds are ever before me. Be warned, O Jerusalem, or I shall be alienated from you, and make you a desolation, a land not inhabited. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they will thoroughly glean as the vine, the remnant of Israel. Pass your hand again like the grape gatherer over the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed and they cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. 
They have no delight in it. But I'm full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the gathering of your men together. For both husband and wife shall be taken, the aged and the very old. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. For from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is greedy for gain. And from the prophet, even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace. Were they ashamed because of the abomination they have done? They were not even ashamed at all. They did not even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it that you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And I said, watchmen over you saying, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we shall not listen. Therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what is among them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their plans, because they have not listened to my words. As for my law, they have rejected it also. For what purpose does frankincense come to me from Sheba and the sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable and your sacrifices are not pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am laying stumbling blocks before this people and they will stumble against them. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend will perish. The enemy will Thus says the Lord, behold, a people is coming from the north land, for a great nation will be aroused from the remote parts of the earth. They seize bow and spear. They are cruel and have no mercy. Their voices roar like the sea, and they ride on horses, arrayed as a man for the battle against you, O daughter of Zion. We have heard the report of it. Our hands are limp. Anguish has seized us. Pain as of a woman in childbirth. Do not go out into the field and do not walk on the road, for the enemy has a sword. Terror is on every side. O daughter of my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. Mourn as for an only son, a lamentation for the most bitter. For suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. I have made you an assayer and a tester among my people, that you may know and assay their way. All of them are stubbornly rebellious, going about as a tail-bearer. They are bronze and iron. They, all of them, are corrupt. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on. But the wicked are not separated. They call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. Wow, powerful, as we can see, very plain English, plain Hebrew. The Babylonians are coming. They're coming from the north. 
They're going to destroy you. And I'm not going to separate you from them. They're going to come in and you're going to live with them 70 years. You're going to be mixed with them. Bad silver. Because you will not repent. You will not be ashamed of your sin and come back to Yahweh. Now jumping over to 11, because we're going through this chronologically, according to our algorithm, it puts us here. The broken covenant. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, hear the words of this covenant and speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and say to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, cursed is the man who does not heed the words of this covenant, which I commanded your forefathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying, listen to my voice and do according to all which I commanded you. So you shall be my people and I will be your God in order to confirm the oath which I swore to your forefathers to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. As it is this day, then I said, Amen, O Lord. And the Lord said to me, Proclaim these words in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, saying, Hear the words of this covenant and do them. For I solemnly warned your fathers in the day that I brought them up from the land of Egypt, even to this day, warning persistently saying, listen to my voice. Yet they did not obey or inclined their ear, but walked each one in the stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore, I brought on them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not. Then the Lord said to me, a conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their ancestors who refused to hear my words, and they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am bringing disaster on them, which they will not be able to escape, though they will cry to me, yet I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry to the gods to whom they burn incense, but they surely will not save them in the time of their disaster. For your gods are as many as your cities, O Judah, and as many as the streets of Jerusalem are the altars you have set up to the shameful things, altars to burn incense to Baal. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or a prayer for them, for I will not listen when they call to me because of their disaster. What right has my beloved in my house when she has done many vile deeds? Can a sacrificial flesh take away from you your disaster so that you can rejoice? Verse 16, the Lord called your name a green olive tree, beautiful in fruit and form. With the noise of a great tumult, he has kindled fire on it and its branches are worthless. The Lord of hosts who planted you has pronounced evil against you because of the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, which they have done to provoke me by offering up sacrifices to Baal. Verse 18. Moreover, the Lord made it known to me, and I knew it. Then you showed me their deeds, but I was like a gentle lamb led to the slaughter. I did not know that they had devised plots against me, saying, Let us destroy the tree with its fruit. Let us cut him off from the land of the living, that his name be remembered no more. But, O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tries the feelings and the heart, 
Let me see your vengeance on them. For to you have I committed my cause. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life, saying, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, so that you will not die at our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am about to punish them. The young men will die by the sword. Their sons and daughters will die by famine. And a remnant will not be left to them. For I will bring disaster on the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. Chapter 12. Righteous are you, O Lord, that I would plead my case with you. Indeed, I would discuss matters of justice with you. Why has the way of the wicked prospered? Why are all those who deal in treachery at ease? You have planted them. They have taken root. They grow. They have even produced fruit. You are near to their lips, but far from their mind. But you know me, O Lord. You see me, and you examine my heart's attitude towards you. Drag them off like sheep for the slaughter, and set them apart for a day of carnage. How long is the land to mourn, and the vegetation of the countryside to wither? For the wickedness of those who dwell in it, animals and birds have been snatched away, because men have said, he will not see our latter ending. If you have run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers and the household of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. Even they have cried aloud after you. Do not believe them, although they may say nice things to you. I have forsaken my house. I have abandoned my inheritance. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hand of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has roared against me. Therefore, I have come to hate her. Is my inheritance like a speckled bird of prey to me? Are the birds of prey against her on every side? Go, gather all the beasts of the field. Bring them to devour. Many shepherds have ruined my vineyard. They have trampled down my field. They have made my pleasant field a desolate wilderness. It has been made a desolation. Desolate. It mourns before me. The whole land has been made desolate. Because no man lays it to heart. On all the bare heights in the wilderness, destroyers have come. For a sword of the Lord is devouring from one end of the land even to the other. There is no peace for anyone. They have sown wheat and they have reaped thorns. They have strained themselves to no profit. But be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Verse 14, thus says the Lord concerning all my wicked neighbors who strike at the inheritance with which I have endowed my people Israel. Behold, I'm about to uproot them from their land and will uproot the house of Judah from among them. And it will come about that after I have uprooted them, I will again have compassion on them and I will bring them back. Each one to his inheritance and each one to his land. Then if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, 
They will be built up in the midst of my people. But if they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. Can't get any more plain than that. Of course, God likes to use a lot of imagery. Israel's a vine. Israel's like a bird. Israel's like a wife. Israel's like probably a, a lamb or an animal. He has so many idioms that he's using to try and help them visualize what they were doing, that it was wrong, that they were in sin. And yet they're thinking that they're safe. They're thinking that because most likely, I guess on my part, because Josiah had enacted the reforms and they had started worship back at the temple and were honoring the Passover, they're like, oh, everything's fine. Even though they had altars on every corner, as many streets as within Jerusalem, they had all these altars to these false gods. So they worship these false gods. This polytheism will worship God and all the other gods. Why not? If one's good, a hundred or better. And he's saying that's like a person saying if one husband is good, why not a hundred more? He goes, it doesn't work that way. There's a thing called fidelity. A covenant love. This is what he had brought to them. I will be covenant in my love. I will love you an everlasting love. Never abandon you. Always protect you. Always provide for you. Always bless you as long as you remain covenant, faithful in your relationship with me. And they didn't. So he essentially divorced her and put her off into captivity to get her to realize where her first love was, to come back to their first love, which is what we see in, as we're now on, on Wednesday night in Ezra later Ezra's the beginning of it, and then, the, then the temple will be built. Actually, we'll be, we'll be looking at that this week. So this is where we are in the chronology of what's going on here. And of course, the lesson to be learned is for all of us is to make sure that we are not straying away in our love for Jesus as the, our one and only Savior and not mixing in all of the things of the world, which causes us to become very blind to what he's calling us to, a very special covenant love relationship with him. Acts 27 now, picking it up in verse 27, finishing off this chapter. But when the 14th night came, as we were being driven about in the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors began to surmise that they were approaching some land. They took soundings, and found it to be 20 fathoms. Then a little farther, they took another sounding and found it to be 15 fathoms. Fearing that we might run aground somewhere on the rocks, they cast four anchors from the stern and wished for daybreak. But as the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and had let down the ship's boat into the sea on the pretense of intending to lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion, and to the soldiers, unless these men remain in the ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it fall away. Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food, for this is for your preservation, for not a hair from the head of any of you will perish. 
Having said this, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, and he broke it and began to eat. All of them were encouraged, and they themselves also took food. All of us in the ship were 276 persons. When they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. When day came, they could not recognize the land, but they did observe a bay with a beach, and they resolved to drive the ship onto it if they could. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, while at the same time they were loosening the ropes of the rudders and hoisting the foresail to the wind. They were heading for the beach, but striking a reef where two seas meet, they ran the vessel aground. And the prow struck fast and remained immovable, but the stern began to be broken up by the force of the waves. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to bring Paul safely through, kept them from their intention and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest should follow on some planks and others on various things from the ship. And so it happened that they all were brought safely to the land. Isn't it amazing the detail you get in this shipwreck? And even to the point of who could swim, who could not swim. But one of the amazing things here is this centurion. He's completely obedient to Paul at this point. Because everything Paul had said at this point was coming true. And he wanted to bring Paul to Rome. Why? He's just a prisoner. Why worry about one seemingly condemned prisoner? Be a lot easier if you just kill them all and say, we had to. Ship was sinking. They were going to escape. And uh, yeah, wouldn't have to worry about going the rest of the way to Rome. Be a lot easier. And he wouldn't be thought ill of by the Roman government for doing it. But I'm thinking that now this centurion, like so many in the Bible, are very spiritually sensitive and he's thinking, wait a minute, this man's in touch with the real creator God, and this man is listening, and this man probably thought to himself, this man is innocent, and became his guardian angel. Figuratively speaking, God says, I'm going to use you, centurion, to guard Paul and take him safely up to Rome. And so he cuts away the boat. I, I, I lived on a big ship for two years <laughs> And when you're in a storm, the last thing you want to do is cut away your lifeboats. That's just like counterintuitive. They're there in case the ship is sinking because it strikes a reef and it's sinking. You have lifeboats to get onto. Apparently, there was only one lifeboat. I mean, this is kind of early sailing. One lifeboat for the crew and nobody for the passengers. Hmm. Well, it made sense he cuts it away, but also he keeps... I'm guessing Paul may have had a word with the centurion. The centurion says, no, I'm not going to kill these people. He believes Paul. Paul says they're all going to be saved. He, something about that meant they were all going to be saved together on the island, that there would not be any people that would run away. Fascinating how God can use us to speak truth into some very powerful people. Even when we seem to be weak, he is strong. And he was proving himself to be very strong through Paul. When he's a prisoner in chains, amazing. Charles Spurgeon, he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. Lord, save me from my sins. 
by thy name of Jesus, I am encouraged thus to pray. Save me from my past sins, that the habit of them may not hold me captive. Save me from my constitutional sins, that I may not be the slave of my own weakness. Save me from the sins which are continually under my eye, that I may not lose my horror of them. Save me from secret sins, sins unperceived by me from my want of light. Save me from sudden and surprising sins. Let me not be carried off my feet by a rush of temptation. Save me, Lord, from every sin. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. That is a wonderful and very, very important and needful prayer, Father, for me, for all my brothers and sisters. We pray for your saving touch in our lives against sin, which is always, always trying to pull us down, attack us, destroy us, demean us, depress us. Thank you for your promise of, of deliverance when we are faithful to you. God, you are an amazing, amazing God. And we do pray, God, that you would do everything in your power to keep us firmly in your grip. We ask, God, that you help us now know how to pray with the things that are going on in Jerusalem, now in the world. This is growing. Father, we know we knew it would, but now we have so many Islamic nations trying to join in in this battle, as well as Western nations trying to back Israel. And Father, there is nowhere to turn but you for your power to come in and resolve this or change it, stop it, whatever, God, we pray, we seek your face, the God of Israel and the God of the nations, that you would bring your purpose to fruition. If it's time for the Ezekiel 37-38 war, so be it. But God, it seems like this is something still yet future, so we pray for the um, cessation of hostilities and that for those perpetrators the actual soldiers that created, that went in and slaughtered all those people, we pray that they would be brought to justice through the court system, God, that you would go in and bring them to justice. So thank you for what you are doing, especially with the gospel, God. We know that there's got to be a lot of people right now in Israel, in Palestine, a lot of different people starting to reevaluate their own life, knowing that they could die in the next few weeks Help them, Father, to find you in a real way. Help the Jews to come to find you through Jesus Christ, their Messiah that they rejected, and the Muslims as well to come to realize that there is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. There is no prophet, Muhammad, that's going to come and save them. So help them find the truth, Father. And thank you for this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go, guys. Thank you. And be looking for the audio version on Saturday for Sunday. We're just trying to keep all this lined up. And feel free to, if you really are adventurous, at 9.30 in the morning, go on Calvary Tribe of Fredericksburg. They have an FM radio station, 107.1, I think, but on their webpage, ccfred.org, I think. You can hit listen live or the radio station 
at 9.30 Fredericksburg time. And Manna for Breakfast will be on air tomorrow. So it's kind of fun. It's something new for us. And we're seeing how that works to see if, if maybe next year God will open the door to do it daily. So whatever he wants to do. So we will see you guys again tomorrow, 9 o'clock our time. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.